everyone just waiting to make sure that um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube are live. It looks like Instagram, you finally get to join us after, I don't know, who knows what was going on. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We are going over the book study of The Mastery of Love. Hey, Rebra, it's one of the um, most important books to me that I read even before I went on my spiritual journey. I had got this book along with the book, The Four Agreements, which we can also talk about later. And those two books combined had me start to look at life differently, although it took several years and failures and big changes in my life for me to actually go on what I would consider to be my spiritual journey. So we are going to go ahead and get started. We are on chapter two in this book and what we have been covering have been the things that happen to us as children that then impact the way that we show up in our present relationships and the reason why we experience so much turmoil and so much pain in our relationships is partly due in fact to how we have been taught by generations of people that don't know how to relate to each other authentically and so we enter into these um, relationships and we're just wanting love and wanting acceptance and wanting somebody that we can, you know, commiserate with and spend our life with. And what we end up with is something that may start off that way, but then it ends up being, uh, you know, it kind of goes south. And so that's where we left off. And so as we start chapter two, it's called The Loss of Innocence. Oh, one more thing, because there are new people joining us. If you are watching me live, girls, I went on a walk. It's super humid. My hair is all over the place. Those of you listening to my podcast, you won't, um, you won't get the picture. But I am a coach and a consultant, and I primarily work with women in healthcare leadership that are feeling personally like they're having mindset blocks and they just want a deeper transformation, not only because it'll help them be better leaders, but because all in all, we all get to live a better life when we work on our internal psychology. So that is what I help clients do. All right. Chapter two, the loss of innocence. Humans by nature are, uh oh, <laughs> humans by nature are very sensitive beings. My goodness, the book just closed. Let's get back to where we were supposed to be. All right. Humans by nature are very sensitive beings. We are so emotional because we perceive everything within our emotional body. The emotional body is like a radio. And we've talked about this when we went over the power of now, how we have, um, not only this power to pick up things with our five senses, which is how we are mainly taught to experience life. However, you know that there have been instances in your life where you've been able to sense energy or sense information and feel it in your gut, whether you call it intuition, a hunch, your conscious, whatever it is, you can get information in ways that don't have anything to do with your five senses. And I call that perception. When you marry your perception or your intuition with your intellect, you lead life from your power place. Um, so he's saying that we lead life primarily from that space because as souls and as beings, perception is our most powerful tool. It's not being able to 
look around us and see what we can see, hear, taste, touch, and feel, we all can do that. What makes us uniquely special is the ability to combine that with our perception to get greater information and navigate life in a, a much more in tune way. And we do that by picking up on certain frequencies or energies, whatever you want to call them. And then we react to certain frequencies. He says the normal frequency of humans before domestication is to explore and to enjoy life. We are tuned to love. As children, we don't have any definition of love as an abstract concept. We just live love. It's the way we are. The emotional body has a component like an alarm system to let us know when something is wrong. And that's what I'm talking about when you hear me as a leader, as an executive, trying to teach you all that you haven't been taught everything or how to use everything in your disposal, how to leverage all of who you are in order to live a better life, in order to have abundance in your life, to have more peace, to have less stress. And that is not being able to tap into that emotional component that we have. And he's saying this emotional body has a component like an alarm system to let us know when something is wrong. And it is the same with the physical body. It also has an alarm system to let us know something is wrong with our body. We call it pain when we feel it physically. But when we feel um, that something is wrong in our emotional state, sometimes we don't know how to define that. And when we feel physical pain, it's because there's something wrong with the body that we have to look at and fix. The alarm system, he says, for your physical body, or excuse me, for your emotional body is fear. When we feel fear is because there is something wrong. Perhaps we are in danger of losing our life. And when we talk about fear here in this chapter too, I don't want you to think about fear as being scared because some of us may call fear other things. Fear may show up in our life as anxiety, as depression, as procrastination, um, a self-sabotage, as imposter syndrome. So fear has many different faces, but at the end of the day, when these start, when these feelings start to crop up, it could be a signal. It could be a signal that something is wrong. Perhaps he says we are in danger of losing our life. The emotional body perceives emotions, but not through the eyes. We perceive emotions through our emotional body. Children just feel emotions and their reasoning mind doesn't interpret them or question them. And this is why children accept certain people, but they intuitively or perceptively know how to reject other people. When they don't feel confident around somebody, they reject that person because they can feel the emotions that the person is projecting. Children can easily perceive when someone is angry and their alarm system generates a little fear in the child that says stay away and they follow their instinct and they stay away. We learn to be emotional according to the emotional energy in our home and our personal reaction to the energy we feel. That is why every brother and sister will react differently according to how they learn to de defend themselves and adapt to different circumstances. How many of you can relate to that? I am the oldest of three girls. 
I have my own certain viewpoint than our middle sister. She is very different than I am. Um, you know, we're similar in a lot of ways, but very different in a lot of ways as far as the way that we've learned from the way that we perceive the things that have happened in our lives, right? And then my younger sister is very similar to me, but still, she's still her own person, even though our parents and the consistency that we experienced in our home was pretty, you know, level from, you know, between the three of us. So we didn't have any you know, major circumstances defining us as separate individuals. We all had pretty much the same upbringing, but we all interpreted and perceived that upbringing differently. And because of the people that we are and our perceptions and how we learn to respond to those perceptions, we are now carrying some of that energy into the life that we live now in very different ways. Um, when our parents are constantly fighting, when there is disharmony, disrespect and lies, we learn the emotional way of being like them. So you may not outwardly express some of the turmoil that you grew up in, but you do, he's saying, learn the emotional ways of being like them. Even if they tell us not to be like them or not to lie, the emotional energy of our parents, of our entire family will make us perceive the world in a similar way to the people that we spent the most time with, right? And that were the most influential to us. The emotional energy that lives in our home is going to tune our emotional body to that frequency. The emotional body starts to change its tune and it is no longer the tune of a, of a being. Because remember a being, think of it like a child. They don't have a definition of love. They just be, they just show up. They just are until, you know, they reach a certain age and have had enough conditioning that it kind of starts to impact the way that they show up in life. So we start to change our tune based on the conditioning of the people that we grow up with and we play the game of adults and we play the game of the outside dream and we lose. We lose our innocence, we lose our freedom, we lose our happiness and we lose our tendency to love. Basically for me, and I'm, I might do like a real podcast episode on this is what I believe the authentic self means versus what pop culture is telling you when they say to be authentic. But for a lot of it, what I believe it means when you are being called to live authentically is to find that innocence, find your freedom, find your happiness and find your tendency to love all of who you were, all of who you were authentically before all of these things happened to you or before you were conditioned to believe all of these things or been exposed to all of the things that you've been exposed to. We are forced to change and then we start perceiving another world another reality, the reality of injustice, the reality of emotional pain, the reality of emotional prison, poison. Welcome to hell, he says. The hell that humans create, which is the dream of the planet. We are welcomed into that hell, but we don't invent it personally. It was here before we were born. So we just 
not only pick up the conditioning from our parents, then we're out in society um, not being our authentic selves because we've been tainted and wounded from that experience. And, and that degree and that variety of woundedness is going to vary from person to person, right? But then we go out into the world, we just play this game, we play the dream that we were sold that we should do in order to be happy, productive, successful human beings, and we continue to perpetuate this cycle. And what it really does is um, indoctrinate us or domesticate us into hell, um, is what he calls it. And it was here before we were born. You can see how real love and freedom are destroyed by looking at children. Imagine a child that's two or three years old running and having fun at the park. And the mom is there watching the little guy and she's afraid that he might fall and hurt himself. And at a certain point, she wants to stop him. And the child thinks mom is playing with him. So he tries to run faster from her. Cars are passing in the street nearby, which makes mom even more afraid. And she finally catches him. The child is expecting her to play, but she spanks him. Boom. It's a shock. The child's happiness was an expression of love coming out of him. And he did not understand why the parent was acting this way. Why his mom was acting this way. This is a shock that stops love little by little over time. And it doesn't have to be spanking. It could be something as innocent, not saying that you as a parent are doing anything wrong because this mom is trying to keep her child safe. However, these little things like sit up straight, um, don't talk with your mouth full or whatever it was in your house does start to shape us for better or for worse around who we are going to be when we start to go out into the world and enter our relationships with other people. So the child doesn't understand words at the age of two or three, but even so he can question why running and playing to that child is an expression of love, but it is no longer safe because parents punish you when you express love. They send you to your room and you cannot do what you want to do. They tell you that you are being bad or that puts you down or they punish you. And in a system of reward and punishment, there is a sense of justice and injustice. What is fair and what's not fair? The sense of injustice is like a knife that opens an emotional wound in our minds. And then according to our reaction to what we perceive as that hurt or that injustice, the wound may get infected with emotional poison. So now he's going to talk about why do some wounds get infected? So let's go back to the age of two or three again. Imagine that you are two or three years old. You're happy. You're playing. You're exploring. You aren't conscious of what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing because you are not yet domesticated or we could say conditioned that if, if that sounds like a better word for you. You are playing in the living room with whatever's around you. You don't have any bad intention. You don't try to hurt anything but you're playing with your dad's guitar. For you, it's a toy. You don't try to hurt your dad at all, but your father is having one of those days when he just doesn't feel right. He's having problems at work. He goes into the living room and finds you playing with his things. He gets mad right away, grabs you and spanks you. How many of you have had a, a problem like that? 
I remember a time where me, my mom and dad, we were sitting at the table. I was young. I don't know how young I was. And I had a knife because I think we had finished up dinner and they had this beautiful wood table. And I still remember it to this day. And I had the, I was older than two or three. So a little bit more, you know, with it, with what was going on, but not old enough to know better. So I was taking this knife and I cut the table and I thought it was so cool because it made a little carving in their beautiful table. So I took the knife and then I just kept doing it over and over again. And I don't remember if they were on the phone. It was something that they were doing where they could see what I was doing, but they couldn't stop me in that moment. I don't know if they were on the phone with somebody important. I just don't remember. So when they got off the phone though, I got a spanking. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to carve this table. I'm just having fun living my best life. And y'all sat here this whole time watching me do it. Nobody like gave me a look. No, And, and it, I know now that it was because they were on an important call. They didn't grab my hand, didn't do anything. But I remember in my mind being confused because I was like, well, if I was, because at that time knew a little bit about right and wrong, if I was wrong, why didn't you tell me that instead of, giving me this shock with this spanking. And so I think that to this day, like even though I don't hold any ill intention about that, it really still impacts me because I can still vividly just remember sitting at that table doing what I thought was uh, like where Brett said, I thought I was making art and they're like, uh-uh, honey, you just wait. So anyway, so just like this two to three year old child that just gets spanked when they're just thinking they're having fun, this is an injustice from from the child's point of view, right? Because they don't think that they're doing any harm. The father just comes in with his anger and he hurts you. This was someone that you trusted completely because it's your dad, someone who usually protects you and allows you to play and allows you to be you. Now there is something that doesn't quite fit. That sense of injustice is like a pain in your heart. You feel sensitive, it hurts, it makes you cry. But you cry not just because it's, he spanks you. It's not the physical aggression that hurts you. It's the emotional aggression you feel, feel that is not fair. You didn't do anything, right? As a child playing with a guitar that doesn't understand right and wrong, you just think you're having fun and that comes in and spanks you. You feel like it's in, an injustice and it, you didn't do anything. And the same with me, the story that I told you guys about the table. I knew that maybe something was a little bit wrong, but I, at that time, was a little bit innocent. So I'm thinking I'm just making art. So when I get this aggression coming toward me, it wasn't the physical aggression or like the slap or whatever it was like on the hand that happened that hurt my feelings. It was more like that. How would how that's not even fair. All you had to do is just tell me to stop. So that sense of injustice opens up a wound in your mind. Your emotional body is wounded, and in that moment, you lose a little part of your innocence. You learn that you cannot always trust your father, even if your mind doesn't know that yet, because your mind doesn't analyze, it still understands, I cannot trust. Your emotional body tells you that there is something that you cannot trust, and that something can be repeated. 
Your reaction might be fear, your reaction might be anger or being shy or just crying, but that reaction is already emotional poison because the normal reaction before your domestication or conditioning that, if you want to use that word, is that your daddy spanks you and you want to hit him back. <laughs> you hit him back or you just intend to put your hand up and that makes your father even more mad at you. The reaction of your father for just putting your hand up against him creates even more tension and more punishment. And now you know that he will destroy you. Now you're afraid of him and you no longer defend yourself because you know it would only make things work. In my instance, I kind of already knew I was at that cusp where I, I kind of knew some things were right and wrong, but what I was doing in that moment didn't feel like I was right or wrong. However, I, I knew well enough to know that I couldn't just <laughs> open my mouth and pop off and be like, uh, but why didn't y'all just tell me to stop when y'all saw me do it the first time and just let me sit there and do it? You know, my little sassy butt. But I knew enough not to say it because I knew just like this child learns that when you start to speak up for yourself or talk back against something that you thought was painful or that was an injustice, sometimes it just ends up creating even worse punishment and that it'll make things worse. And you still don't understand why as a kid, you know, your dad spanked you and why when you tried to fight back, why he got even more mad at you or like me, I still didn't quite understand why if I did the marks on the table and I got in trouble for it, why I couldn't articulate that, hey, y'all was watching me do it and y'all didn't stop me. All you had to do is say stop because I knew that something was going to happen. But in both instances, what this does in different degrees and varying degrees is it opens up a fierce wound in the mind. Before this, the mind was completely healthy and you were innocent, right? This reasoning mind tries to do something with this experience. You try to understand why this experience happened and you learn to react in a certain way, your personal way. You keep that emotion with you and it changes your way of life. This experience will repeat itself more often now. The injustice will come from mom and dad, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, from the school, from society, from everyone. And with each experience, with each fear, you learn to defend yourself, but not the way that you did before you were domesticated or before you were conditioned, when you would defend yourself and just keep playing. Because you've gone through these certain little insidious, painful things. And for some of you, unfortunately, you've grown up in more overt, abusive situations, but because we've all gone through these things, now there is something inside the wound that at first was not a big problem. There is a little bit of emotional poison. The emotional poison though starts to accumulate and the mind begins to play with that poison. Now we start to worry a little bit about the future because we have memories of the poison and we don't want it to happen again. We also have memories of being accepted. We remember mom and dad being good to us and living in harmony. And we want the harmony, but we don't know how to create it. And because we are inside the bubble of our own perception, whatever happens around us now seems as if it is because of us. We believe mom and dad fight because of us, even if these things have nothing to do with us. And remember, he's still talking about through the child's lens. 
Little by little, we lose our innocence and we start to feel resentment. Then we no longer forgive. So we start to have these little experiences in our conditioning from all of the things that we experience and all the people that we meet along the way start to take away our innocence. We stop forgiving. And over time, these incidences and interactions let us know that it's not safe to be who we really are. Of course, this will vary in intensity. And I just said that just in my own personal words, it's going to vary in intensity with each, with each human according to the intelligence level and the education. And it will depend on many things. If you're lucky, the domestication or conditioning will not be that strong. But if you're not so lucky, this domestication can be so strong and the wounds can be so deep that you can be even afraid to speak. The result is, oh, I'm shy. I was just thinking about this, ladies. I'll tell I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. So the result is, oh, I'm shy. Shyness is the fear of expressing yourself. You may believe that you don't know how to dance or you don't know how to sing, but this is just repression of a normal human instinct to express love. So I was just thinking about this the other day because um, I, I know for a fact that I'm introverted. I can, me and Greg were just talking about, I could stay in my home for months and never leave and I'd be okay with that. However, I was questioning the fact of me, if I'm truly shy, because when I start to listen to this book, as we were read it together, I start to question some of the things that I've been conditioned or domesticated to believe because maybe I'm not shy because I surely, because I wanted to pop off that day when I was making the marks on the table, I have been a little sassy uh, person that kind of pops off. I've always kind of had that in me, but because it's always been inappropriate through our conditioning to be that child that is like, well, why you didn't tell me no, you know, when you saw me doing it, like, you know, coming back at adults in that manner. I think little by little, what I learned to do is to be quiet, is to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> because sometimes if I did express what I thought, it would be a little bit too much, right? Or it'd be a little bit too disrespectful. And so in turn, what I, I'm starting to realize is that I don't think that I'm shy. I think that my experiences in life have caused me to be fearful of expressing myself, especially authentically in the way like, hey, mom, I'm about to pop off at y'all because y'all should have stopped me. Um, and then so we start to adopt these labels that we identify with that aren't even truly who we are. Some of them we've just picked up just through the things that we've experienced. So what is it, um, you know, as we close for, for the week, what it, I want you to think about how some of the things, again, they could be small things that have impacted you because they've occurred time and time again in your upbringing, in your conditioning, and how it has now shaped who you are who you think you are and um, how you show up in the world to the fact where you are 
um, putting these false labels on yourself and on your identity when really and truly, if you really got back to the core of who you were before all this, what he calls domestication or what I call conditioning happens, you know, we're all just these light beings that are here to love and live and be free and be authentic and be as innocent and almost as vulnerable as possible in order to relate more with each other in the world. That's part of why we're here. So I just want you to think about that for yourself. Um, if you find that you are struggling in this area, struggling with connecting to your authentic self, struggling in your relationship, struggling, it could be in your career, all of the things that may feel like burnout, tiredness, frustration, anxiety, analysis, paralysis, all of those things are symptoms of an internal psychology usually that may require some deeper work. And if you want to learn how to work with me in the way that I help clients move through this, then you can either DM me, you can email me, or you can message me wherever you are listening to this content. Um, and then as always, ladies, remember, 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 don't live a little. I want you guys to live a mastery. Um, I will be doing some light traveling here and there over the course of the next few days. So I'm going to play it by ear with the lives. I don't think that anything will be impacted, but I just want to let you all know to, um, be prepared that there may be a little bit of changes, but otherwise I will talk to you all Monday through Thursday next week, 7 PM central standard time. All right. Take care. Bye.